Okay, we're going to read together from uh, Acts chapter 4. Derek's going to be looking at this with us later on. Acts chapter 4, from verses 23 to 31, the believer's prayer, uh, page 1096, if you've got one of the Pew Bibles. Acts chapter 4, from verse 23. Page 1096, Acts chapter 4, verse 23. We read and we remember this is God's Word. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Amen. We trust that God will bless His Word to us tonight. It's a privilege to be here tonight, and uh, uh, I want to say thank you for the invitation. Um, you always know you're off to a good start when the minister says to the congregation, you can sleep. <laughs> and you're just wondering, what's the challenge that is in front of you? And then when Peter, Peter, is that right? Gets up and says, oh, technology. <laughs> so where do I begin? It's good that God has all, given us all a sense of humor, isn't it? Tonight we're going to be looking at uh, mission. Uh, mission according to the book of Acts. And after I, I challenge each and every one of us, or rather, I hope God, by His Holy Spirit, through His Word, will challenge each and every one of us. I'm going to give you a kind of an overview of the work that we're doing in Spain. Some things have changed uh, since I was last year, so I want you to be aware of that. But first, let's uh, come to God's Word. Nigel read Acts chapter uh, 4, uh, 23 to 31. If you have your Bibles, please uh, turn to it. I want to fill in the context of this uh, passage. Um, yesterday, as I was traveling from Cork to Belfast, the first thing I was doing was listening to the rugby match, where Ireland beat Scotland. Sorry if, any, if there are any Scottish people here, or Nigel, your wife. And then I decided, well, okay, that's great news. I, I'm going to be preaching tomorrow, uh, three times. I'd like to get my mind uh, 
saturated in Scripture. So I decided to turn on Acts chapter 1, and I listened to the first 16 chapters. It was very challenging, very moving, just seeing how God moved uh, by His Spirit and the church growing and growing and the power of the Holy Spirit and the, the boldness with which the disciples spoke the Word of God. You remember Peter and the disciples before Jesus was crucified, as he was being crucified. You remember how much fear they had? Even Peter himself denied Jesus three times. Often we feel like that, don't we? I certainly do in Spain, and and Jane, my wife, as well. You know, when you look out into the secular world, and they're saying, God doesn't exist. Or if he does, he has no relevance whatsoever in my life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who on earth would believe in that in this day and age? When I was in Cork, I was talking to my mom's solicitor. She's an old school friend of mine. And uh, we were talking about just her new business, how she has set up. And I asked her, I said, what about Christianity? And she said, yeah, I'm religious, kind of. I believe in something's out there. And I said to her, well, you know, three days ago, I was talking to a friend of mine. This morning, he died, passed away. This afternoon, I was having a cup of coffee with the same guy. And she laughed at me. But you get the point, don't you? We're calling people out of darkness and pointing them to the central message of Christianity that is the cross. Oh, the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. And we're saying, yes, he did. But also, that he rose three days later. I too am speaking uh, through the book of Galatians in Bilbao. What a challenging book, isn't it? And you know where Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live it, but he that liveth in me. And I said to the church I was speaking at, I said, do you realize what's been said there? Paul is saying he identifies so much with what happened on the cross that he himself died in Christ. But then that three days later, he rose again and his life is new. And he lives in that atmosphere. The law is good, but it condemns. Jesus brings life by the power of his Holy Spirit. What is the challenge? How do we communicate 
the gospel to our friends, to those who we work with, to those who we go to school with, to the Spanish secular society who say, yes, we're Catholic, but we're Catholic because of the Spanish family unit. I didn't say I'm not Catholic because I don't want to offend my granny. That was said to me. But day to day, nothing. Christianity is a dead. And when we come to think about presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can be full of fear. Just like myself, just like Nigel. Feeling, wow, what a challenge. Will they ever, ever respond? How can we bring them to that point where they want to cry out to God for forgiveness? The Great Commission says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, 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 I am with you always to the end of the age. Now the picture is starting to change a little bit, isn't it? Because we're thinking now someone is with us. And that someone is Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit uh, dwelling in our lives. We mustn't forget. It's so easy to look at the context, at the circumstances that we're in, instead of casting our eyes higher to God and to realizing that He is with us. Do you know how many people I have converted? Zero. But just don't tell Church House that, okay? They'll fire me. But you know what I mean. Haven't converted one person. It's only God by His Spirit can convert people can bring them into the kingdom of God. A girl called Veronica had spent quite a few years in, in, in London, originally from the Basque country. She became a Christian in London. She went to a good church. Then she felt God was bringing her back to the Basque country with her husband. She's been back there now maybe up to a year. She came to me one day and she says, Derek, it's so spiritually dry here. People do not want to respond. They don't want to hear it. They laugh at you. And I said to her, yeah, that's true. But I said, what really comforts me is this. Acts chapter 16, verse 4. I think it is verse 4, but you know what I'm going to be saying. 
Think of the story of Lydia. Lydia. What does it say? She believed? No. No. It says that God opened her heart and then she believed. God opened her heart and then believed. That is extremely humbling when you think about it. All of us has been brought in. Those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord have been brought in by God's Holy Spirit. By God opening our hearts and us responding. Giving us the capacity to, to believe. It's humbling. Because it brings us all on the same level playing field. God did not choose you because of your goodness. Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. And we need to remind ourselves of that. Now what about mission? For us, all of us, Matthew 28, the grand, great commission, is spoken to the disciples and others and to us. Now for some, this will mean leaving family and friends, countries, country, and going where they believe God is calling them to. I think of the Cochrane's in, in Portugal. God has called them there to serve. At times they found it very, very difficult. Spiritually dry. Nothing happening. But others, the majority, this means gossiping the gospel where we're at. The friends that you know, the people that you know, the people that you work with, well, I cannot speak to them. More than likely, Nigel cannot. But you can because God has placed you there. And God says it is your task to share the gospel. And be encouraged because God has called you to that. In one way, I don't like the word missionary or me being called a missionary because it's almost... Oh, that's the missionaries over here and the ministers as well. And then everyone else over there. But you see, it's not that way at all. God has gifted us in different ways. But we're all called to the task of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And you'll see in the book of Acts, there's a it's something that stands out over and over and over and over again. And that is the priority of prayer in the early church. They were people who prayed. When they faced difficulties, trials, they prayed. Look at Peter and John. The context is here. They had healed a crippled man. For 40 years, he could not walk. 
Peter spoke to him, and he was healed. The religious leaders didn't like it. Why? Because he said, in the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And they commanded him, do not mention that name again. Stop preaching him again about him. Stop proclaiming him to the people. What did they do? They prayed. They prayed. God gave them boldness to speak the word of God. Let's look at the two books that Dr. Luke wrote. He wrote the Gospel of Luke and he wrote Acts. You will find that in Luke as well, this importance of prayer goes right through from the beginning to the end. You see, Jesus, when he was baptized, he prayed. Jesus prayed before choosing the 12 disciples. He prayed at the transfiguration. Most importantly, Jesus prayed at Gethsemane. Before he offered himself on the cross for our rebellion, our sinfulness. From the cross, he prayed the words of completion, victory and rest. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Total and 100% trust in him. Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, was a man of prayer. And you see, it's the same for us. We should be people of prayer. People of prayer. It's, it's a privilege when we get uh, cards, letters, even emails, modern technology, even emails saying, we're praying for you. From churches, we, we haven't even spoken that. And they say, we're praying. I normally go and share that with one of the ministers that I work with in Bilbao. And I said, look, they're saying they're praying for Eduardo and Anna. And they're shocked. And they said, but, but they don't know us. What an encouragement it is for them to know that people are praying back here. You see, we're all part of the mission all called to do mission. When the apostles were told not to preach in the name of Jesus, what did they do? They raised their voices together in prayer. This is the passage that Nigel read. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Lord, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. You see, these people 
that were telling him not to speak about Jesus were the very people that had crucified Jesus. So it was real what they were saying. The disciples, their response was, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Lord, consider their threats. They are real and enable your servants to speak your word with boldness, with great boldness. What should we be doing? This is where I want to encourage you. The reality is this. It is difficult at times to talk about Jesus. Isn't that right? More and more so. And we wonder. Now you have a choice. We all have a choice. We can remain quiet or we can follow the example of the apostles. And we can pray, Lord, give us boldness to speak your word. That's what we should be doing. And you'll find that over and over and over in the book of Acts. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened? They spoke the word of God boldly. My mom, dear lover, she's 84 years of age. I've been, I was with her for about two, three days. And uh, she said to me, when I was leaving, why don't you stay another couple of days? And I said, well, listen, I have to go and prepare. She said, you probably prepared already. And she was right. And I said, but I still have to prepare. And I explained to her what I meant. See, it's one thing to prepare a talk. I would say Nigel's probably the easiest part in one way. It's another thing to prepare oneself. In other words, to take time out with God and be in his presence and be with others in his presence so that God will give us boldness to speak his word. You see, this was the church, the believers gathering together. One thing that we've tried to stress in, in the two churches that we're involved in, in, in Spain, in Bilbao, is this, the importance of prayer. As individuals and as a church. Sometimes, isn't it true, we, we, we treat prayer as an optional extra. And really, it is central to us being Christian. The Word and the Spirit working together, asking God, give me boldness to speak your Word. And He will. He will. If we take time out, take time out with him. You know, I wonder why God brings these 
problems we face, persecution, people mocking us. Maybe it is because he wants us to teach us to get back on our knees and rely on him. To look to him for strength. To look to him for help. I have to move on quickly. Um, But let me tell you about one person. His name is Let's see if this works. Nope. Can you move it on to the... Yeah. His name is David Bert. David Bert. In the late 1960s, David graduated from Oxford University. As a young man, God called him to serve in Spain. He went around from village to village. Now, this was during the Franco regime. Franco died in 1975. This was 1969 onwards. He faced ridicule, misunderstanding, but he stuck at it. He's the co-founder of the Christian Union in Spain. Today he's in his 70s. And he's still there. He is retired from being the general secretary of the Christian Union in Spain. But he has not retired from being Christian. He's still serving God, still preaching What has kept him there? The gospel and the love for the Spanish people. What has kept him there? He has seen the power of the Holy Spirit transforming people's lives, even through difficulties and hardship. The Apostle Paul says this, Acts 14, 22. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. That is not saying we must earn our salvation. It's saying being a Christian, being associated with with Christ, you will face difficulties. You will face hardship. But God is with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to cast our eyes up onto the hills and farther up again and just know that God will empower us. There's nothing that we face. There's no person that is too hard for him. There's no group of people that is too difficult for him that he cannot open their hearts, that they should respond. I've told this story before. My dad, at the age of 46, was an alcoholic. 
He was a businessman, a very good businessman, but he was an alcoholic. He was no more interested in God. He was interested only in making money and Guinness and the homebrew. People had been praying for him. He was, being, he was invited many, many times to come along to meetings. Finally, one night, out of the blue, he said, yes, he will go. That night, after the sermon, an appeal was made. Lo and behold, who put up his hand? My dad. Who opened his heart? God. God. He wasn't a very eloquent man with regards to public speaking. He was still a businessman. And he loved trying to make a deal. He wasn't really interested in about making all the money. He was interested in just conversing with the persons that he was dealing with. Typical court farmer. But you know, at the end of the transaction, which could have gone on for hours, he would turn to the person and say, listen, let me tell you about Jesus. He can change your life. You know those persons that he was talking to? Had seen a change right in front of him. At his funeral, there was over a thousand people, most of them non-Christians. His testimony lives on. Finally, how do we prepare? 1 Peter 3 verse 15 says this, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That, now, the hope there is not, I hope it's true. The hope is certain hope. But do this with gentleness and respect. How do we prepare? We prepare by praying. We prepare by acknowledging Yes, it is difficult, but God is with us. We prepare by listening and not falling asleep. We prepare by listening to the sermons, God's Word, searching Scripture, hearing from God. But we also prepare, and this is something extremely important, We prepare by being gentle and treating everyone with respect. You see, the Basque country, 
since 1970s, maybe, yeah, 1970s. 800 people have been killed by ETA. So there's conflict. And as I talk to my Basque friends, I say to them this, listen, those persons over there, they are created in God's image, just like you and I are. Therefore, they demand respect. Even if they don't respond to the gospel. I think that's what Peter is getting at there. Treat people with respect. I'm very quickly going to run through this, what we're doing. Another three minutes, yep. In Spain, we have been involved with the Christian Union. And that's been going on since 2007. Lately, God is moving us away from that. We're still working with the Christian Union, but in this area, and Damio. That is producing good material resources in Spanish. You go into the bookshops here, Christian bookshops, or even go to Amazon.co, and you find, wow, all the books that you can get on whatever given topic. And yet we look at what is available in Spanish. And we're not talking about just Spain, but we're talking about the Spanish-speaking world. So this is an area that we have been working very, very hard. Can you? Yeah. One of those courses, I told you about this before, is Christianity Explored. Who is Jesus? What's going on with the world? Just giving them resources. And this is part of what Peter's talking about, preparing them, preparing yourselves to give an answer. These are some of the books that we have, been, we have already tra- uh, translated into Spanish. Some of them are commentaries. The Sermon on the Mount by John Stott, etc. Keep going. Timothy Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor, so on. Keep going. Recently, um, we've been asked, and partly this is due to Jane and myself being parents as well, Lucas 8, Gabriel's 10, and the importance to have good resources for Sunday school teachers, for parents, for devotional time, etc. And there's a real lack in that area. And so we've been given the task of looking at what material is there in English, picking it out, and saying, okay, let's translate this. That means getting copyrights, getting someone to translate it, finding the funds, publishing it. Then, roughly you're talking about a three, four-year project. But we're, we, we are so thankful to God. Those guys who are working for agree this is a needed area. You know, young people, if you're still awake here tonight, and even adults, 
if you're still awake. Count it a privilege that you can walk into a Christian bookshop and pick up good material. You know, Jane and myself used to say to the young people that we work with, look, how about reading the, your Bible daily? And then we go, and some good resources. I'm going, well, what would we recommend? This is how important that is. Keep going. I hope you're not asleep up there, no? <laughs> It's not moving. Okay, well, don't worry. Don't panic. Let me do that. The group that we're working with, uh, or we're thinking of, is ages from 3 to 18. So it's quite an extensive group. So it, is, it does mean that we have to think seriously what material is good for each group. Pray for us uh, in that primary. Good, keep going. Teenagers, very rebellious people. Um, next one. We also use this. It's the Moore College Distance Course. Uh, uh, it's all in Spanish now. We praise God for that. That's for church leaders. That's for ministers. That's for youth leaders, etc. Or anyone who wants to study God's Word in more in depth. Keep going. Um, that's a good-looking guy with five girls. I don't know how that happened. But that's, uh, uh, these girls, they're actually his guys. They were the other side of the table. Yeah. Um, Study Moklem. Wanting to know God in a, de a deeper way. Pray for them. Next. I mentioned Eduardo and Anna. Take, a, take them on, on yourself to pray for them. Eduardo is from Barcelona. He moved, he and his wife. She's from Germany. They moved from <coughs> Barcelona to, to Bilbao. And we're in partnership with them. We work in two churches. And such a privilege to have Eduardo and Anna just there. Biblically minded. Everything's back to God's word. We're, we're so thankful for them. Pray for them. Women's Bible study. Jane's involved in that. They meet up once a week. Just encouraging each other. Uh, next one. The marriage course. Don't worry, I'm Southern Irish and you know, I've worked in Spain, so I can go on a little bit. Um, but let me tell you about this, and I'll finish. How would you like to run a marriage course where there is a, a person going through a divorce, two couples who are Christians, and the rest non-Christians? And on top of that, One of the non-Christians, he's a divorce lawyer. Fun time, where do you start? Now it's interesting because it was those guys that came to me and asked me would I do the course. 60% of marriages in Spain end in divorce. As I was trying to take, get a balance how to teach this course, Session one, session two, talking about communication. Husbands, listen to your wife. Wives, etc., etc. I won't say any more. We got on to the issue of divorce. This was our, maybe, the fourth, 
fifth session. And I, I began an introductory. And all of a sudden, this divorce lawyer said, to, said out loudly, it is the worst decision ever. And I said, why do you say that? Are you saying that from a religious point of view? No, 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 he said. I'm saying it from my experience as a divorce lawyer. It wrecks lives. No one comes out the better. I said to him, you take the course. Pray for him. His name is Chema. You won't remember that. There's a guy called Gorka. And there's other ones, Javi, Javier. Why they come? I pray it's God's bring them into the kingdom of God. We would love to do Christianity Explored with them. That's all I'm going to say there. That's it. That's the pastor. Let me close by just encouraging you Be encouraged. God is with you. You have God's Spirit living in you. You have the Word of God. You have the gift of prayer. Pray, pray. I wonder how how many of us prayed today, yesterday, during the week. God, give me boldness to speak your Word. Instead of saying, God bless me. Bless them, bless that. See, their prayers were specific. They're very personal. Pray for these guys. Pray for yourselves. Pray for the Cochrans. Pray for the Frenches who live in the Basque country. That God will give us all boldness to speak His word. I think we're going to sing. I'm not so sure. I should know it, but I don't. Yeah, what a great hymn. Yeah, O Church of God, arise. That's the challenge for each one of us. Yeah, to arise, to sing, to take up the mantle, to take up the challenge. But it's a challenge we take up, not on our own, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's sing.